Two guys come together from originally the graveyard of no Southern California teams, but it's now known as the two Los Angeles teams that people don't care about in their own city to talk about two teams that faced each other in last season's NFC Championship game as the San Francisco 49ers were graded as cheese from the Philadelphia Eagles. They remind you of Philly cheesesteaks. How the 49ers are looking for vengeance for last season's loss. Can the 49ers continue on the golden legacy that was from the Joe Montana and Steve Young days? Or will the Philadelphia Eagles swoop in to give them a reality check? You're listening to the Coffin Corners podcast. I'm Big Tom McLean. With me, as always, my good buddy and my co-host, Nathan Sprague. How are you doing, Nathan? Well, I'm doing great, but the way that the San Francisco 49ers have been facing bird teams, we might as well call them the San Francisco Ornithologists while we're at it. <laughs> You're right. It's like a Popeye's chicken or something. <laughs> They're just frying them birds up. Or Kentucky Fried Chicken, Popeye's Kentucky Fried. There you go. That makes more sense. It actually has chicken in the slogan. We're going to go ahead and, and talk about the elephant in the room. It's the big, gigantic game coming up Sunday. San Francisco's 49ers versus the Philadelphia Eagles. The 49ers are going to be visiting that. Now, listen to how I say this. I'm going to say it very carefully. That god-awful sports city. I'm not calling the city of Philadelphia awful. I'm saying it's an awful sports city with awful human beings as fans. Not all of them, but enough of them. We know that Philadelphia greases the light poles. We know that they throw batteries and snowballs at Santa. Philly is a rough place for football. So 49ers are going to be there in that harsh territory. However, Vegas odds makers have them on top. What do you think about that, Nathan? The 49ers are on top of the Eagles, or they have the Eagles on top of the 49ers? The 49ers were favored by three last time I checked. Uh, that's kind of interesting, because, I mean, the 49ers did have that losing skid. I guess the addition of Chase Young kind of helps as well. I mean, Nick Bosa and Chase Young, I guess they're thinking more of defense wins championships mentality. And and the 49ers, it seems that they have a better defense. I mean, the past three games, I do believe, they had an average of five sacks. So 15 sacks in three games by the 49ers' defense. Yeah, I think the 49ers are actually... Oddly, at this time of season, very healthy, too. I knock on wood saying that, but the Eagles, a little roughed up, probably tired. The Eagles just played on Sunday, and uh, they played the Sunday late game, and the 49ers have been off since Thanksgiving. 49ers played that Thanksgiving game. Obviously, they had a great game there in Seattle, getting the big win, a big divisional win. They're 3-0 and in the division now. And then Shanahan gave them four days off. They didn't come back to work till Tuesday, I believe it was. They didn't have that luxury in Philly. So Philly's a little more beat up, and Philly's coming off of a short week. So I think those factors kind of come in. And also the 49ers are putting up over 30 points a game, and they're they're just running through teams. Yeah, they're running through teams, even teams that are – playoff caliber teams i mean the jacksonville jaguars and the seattle seahawks they both scored over 30 points against both those teams yeah you're right and the defense really did their job against seattle the thing that's missed a little bit just because of the deceptive score which i believe was 31 13 there was a touchdown in there but that touchdown was a pick six 
uh, unfortunately, Brock Purdy got to experience his first career pick six up there in that awful place but the defense did not give up a touchdown that defense has really been improving since they added chase young chase young is becoming an x factor for that defense yeah i think he helps out a lot the amount of pressure and you just can't you can't double team everybody on the team you start running out of guys pretty quickly the math doesn't work like that no it it doesn't as long as the, I think the only way that I could see the Philadelphia Eagles uh, winning this game is they just do nothing but the tush push. But even that, I think Chase Young, Nick Boza might end up finding a way at some point to stop that as well. With those guys on the ends, you know that they're going to do everything they can to neutralize Jalen Hurts because that's a mobile quarterback. The deal with any quarterback is if you take away their legs, you take away their ability to move around. And, you know, the 49ers are not giving quarterbacks a lot of time with the ball. As you said before, the 49ers are getting to the quarterback quickly. They're creating a lot of pressure even when they don't get the sacks. You know, that's going to be a true test for uh, Jalen Hurts this weekend. So enough about my 49ers. I also saw that the Colts are undefeated this month, correct? Yeah, I find it kind of crazy. I think the Colts, I think the Colts might be getting to not I'm not going to say easy, but it's not as difficult of a of a stretch than compared to maybe the Ravens this late in the season. The Ravens have a tough road ahead of them. Especially your 49ers doesn't help either. Hopefully they're gonna be facing a, a healthy 49er team too. I think the, the Philadelphia game is gonna be pretty physical, but the hope is that everybody can come out okay. Oh it's definitely gonna be a trenches battle. I mean hands down that's gonna be a trenches battle both offensive and defensive. And whoever wins that will most likely will win the game. I have a feeling. I think you're right. So who do the Colts face this weekend? The Titans. Yeah, it's the Tennessee Titans. They're visiting the Tennessee Titans, right? Yeah. Well, that ought to be a fun one. They've got two more wins than the Titans. What a crazy ride the Colts have had. They, they really struggled early in the season. And then November, they're just unstoppable. I don't know. Yeah. Who, un- unstoppable I, might be an exaggeration. Yeah, I would say that too, Tom. I mean, we have Garner Minshew as our QB. But so far. He's not been doing too terrible of a job, so I'll take a you know a healthy Gardner Minshew over. Gosh, who knows what we have as a backup? Gardner Minshew is like the starting quarterback in like a football comedy. You know what I mean? Like a 1980s slapstick screwball comedy movie. Yeah, exactly. Like at some point somebody put something in his jock strap and he got the itch in front of everybody. Like there's exactly that. He ends up embarrassing himself with one of the cheerleaders that turns out to be his girlfriend, but they're trying to keep it a secret. Right, exactly. I love it. Yeah, Garner Minshew is that guy. So I think that's why we're sitting here going, okay, he's probably going to be like Mark Rippon or Trent Dilfer, one of these guys that maybe personally doesn't deserve a trip to the Super Bowl, but for some reason he feels like he's part of a storyline to something somewhere. He's one of those, uh, what is it, travel man? Is that what they call called him? Travel man? Like they travel around? Oh, journeyman, yeah. Like- yeah, journeyman. Yeah, he, he would qualify as a journeyman. He's been around a little while. He's been on a couple teams, too. I would buy a miracle for the Colts to make the playoffs. They just need to win one more game, and they do a lot better than what I predicted them the amount of wins that I thought they were going to have this season. I thought they would only get six wins, to be honest. Wow. Well, that's good. 
I like that they're exceeding your expectations. And yeah, they definitely exceeded my expectations. I don't know if that ruins things as far as the draft for you guys, but yeah, that's true. We might need to think. It's one of those things of thinking. Okay, do we really think we have a chance of being not only just making it to the playoffs, but do we actually have a chance at this? Because you you have to think with that mindset. You have to think. Okay, can we be realistic here? Look at the stretch. Look at the games that we have here. Okay. Uh, Statistically, we were supposed to have one of the top five easiest schedules, according to strength of schedule. 49ers were free, and the Colts were number four. And the Philadelphia Eagles at number 10. Uh, I found that out from sharpfootballanalysis.com. So thank you for the sources of that, sharpfootballanalysis.com. You want to know who who has the hardest schedule? Yeah, who has the hardest schedule? Turns out, New England Patriots. Number one strength of schedule. Really? Maybe that's why they haven't won anything. Two and nine. Yeah. Yeah. And Las Vegas Raiders, number two. Two tough, number two toughest schedule. And the Raiders kind of turn it around a little bit. It also kind of helps to fire a coach that was incompetent with a lot of decisions. And I have a feeling that the Washington Commanders might be doing the same thing. I mean, they fired Jack Del Rio. Oh, happy Thanksgiving, Jack. You got fired. Yeah, well, that's kind of a sad thing. I like Jack Del Rio, and he's a player's coach, too. The, the players like him, so that was kind of a different scenario than the Josh McDaniels thing, at least as far as I know. Maybe he wore out his welcome where he was at, but when he was with the Raiders, I know that he was kind of a player's coach. I remember, I remember him as a linebacker for the Cowboys not long ago. Feels like not long ago, but now it's been like 40 years. I think that they rallied around the fact that they had this guy that they felt like they felt trapped. You have your coach who you can't really escape your coach. Like you can escape other players, but you can't escape your coach. And you feel trapped. And then all of a sudden they replace him with somebody who is one of you he's a player he's somebody who has won the super bowl he's somebody that understands how how that stuff all works yeah but i find it kind of ironic that he got fired by the coach ron let's go for it on fourth down no matter where we are rivera yeah right maybe ron's job is wavering a little bit as well right yeah probably most likely he should have never been fired from carolina he did a good job in carolina It, it didn't make sense when they got rid of him speaking of carolina tom guess what a former ain't that was Colts coach ended up getting fired again in midseason. Probably one of the few coaches in NFL history to go back-to-back seasons to be fired before the midseason. Frank Reich. I hope that he can find a fit somewhere. He was a good coach for the first few years, but the ain't was Colts. It's just, he just got to find the right quarterback. Yeah, it seems to be a lot of teams' problem. There's only five or six really good quarterbacks out there. Then there's maybe five or six that are second tier. And then you have a few that are like what we used to call in the military, clean, dry, and serviceable. That just meant that they do their job. Not much more. Nothing to get excited about. Don't make a lot of mistakes. But then it just drops off from there. So you're you're at like 20 teams that have a clean, dry, serviceable quarterback. Some of them have really good quarterbacks. Everybody wants to have the really good quarterbacks. Yeah, it's almost similar to ladies these days. They expect to have the top 1% of men. Right. (laughs) (laughs) But you can't. Not all all of you ladies can have that. And that's the same with guys, too. We we think we could get these Instagram models. or But not all of us are going to get that. We're not? 
I don't, I'm, I hate to tell you that, Tom. But somehow, if for some bizarre reason, there's some study that models are attracted to podcasters. Otherwise, uh, that'd be nice. I don't see why they wouldn't be. Right? I mean, in some sense, it does kind of make sense of a match. But you want someone that's a whole lot more than just looks. You want someone that has a personality that actually cares about other people. You want a whole lot more than just a pretty face, pretty body. Yeah, speak for yourself. I'll take the pretty face and the pretty body. I've tried the nice girl. That doesn't always work out either. <laughs> I'm the worst on life advice. Maybe I shouldn't be giving life advice right now. Keep in mind, I've been divorced twice, so. What I'm realizing is I kept on going after that. And I know it sounds weird. I know this sounds strange. But I feel that I have this fan fiction writer that's in control of my love life in a weird way. It's just a lady. And she just takes all the anger and frustration over a text message and just ruins everything. As in, they, they set it up perfectly, a perfect love story. Even Hallmark would be blushing, you know, at the moment. And and as soon as the guy doesn't text, you know, text her, she gets all angry and takes all the anger out on me and just ruins it. And it's like, well, you know, you know that lady, you know, I know you, you like redheads, right? Yeah. Well, turns out that was the lady that you were crushing on but not only that she has a boyfriend they cosplay as one of your favorite superheroes but i won't tell you which one and so it's like man you need to get laid fan fiction writer it's like holy shoot (laughs) you know (laughs) at first i thought i really wanted a date but i realized i'm not my best self so i need to be my best self so that way i could go out there and meet the right person you know what, though? Honestly, and I know this is a weird thing to be talking about on the podcast, but you're good enough as you are right now. You know what I mean? It's it, You're going to keep working on yourself even if you're in a relationship. You know what I mean? The thought that you still got to get better before you're ready, I don't think that that's necessarily true. So hopefully you'll um, find yourself in the right situation and the right young lady and you'll you'll be able to, uh, you know, move forward. Speaking of being in the right situation, it's time for Sports Dishes. I love it. I love the transition. You're, you continue to amaze me, my friend. Okay, so remember when we kept on talking about how it seems that football has become WWE crazy these days? Mm-hmm. Well, guess what? The Big 12 apparently decided, you know what? We are getting WWE crazy these days. So they decided to team up with WWE for the Big 12 championship game promotion. That's right. They're going to have WWE wrestlers, you know, for the festivities beforehand. They're they're going to have one of them present the Big 12 trophy. They're, and they're going to have it be called Most Outstanding Player, which it, it's short for MOP. But you never know. Remember when people said go and people fought... Yeah, that will never catch on. But as caught on, who knows? Maybe Mop will be the new GOAT. And it's also ingenious on Big 12's part because, let's face it, college football by 2024 will be officially semi-pro ball. It's semi-pro football. It it's is. It's no longer college. You're right. It is. It is semi-pro football. It's no longer college football. I'm still calling it college football. It's still 2023. But once it gets to 2024, it will be officially college football is dead. Semi-pro university ball. 
beginning. Yeah, it's no longer amateur. I agree with that. So yeah, that that was that's pretty much for sports dishes. Man, I agree with that. I'm glad that you opened my eyes to that. That's a total. That's a that really is the way it is now. Amateur football is now in the Pop Warner leagues. Although I'm sure there's going to be a LeBron James level football player that comes along, and all of a sudden he's going to get some kind of a deal. I mean, I know there's already kids that get get deals in high school, out of high school, especially like the McDonald's All American guys. But wow, just crazy. <laughs> it's so insane. Yeah, it's also kind of crazy to see, you know, can I talk about a little bit of some Iowa football, you know, while, while we're, you know, talking about a little bit of college football. Can I have a chance to talk about some Iowa football? I say you should, yeah. Well, with Iowa football, everybody knows that they try to put together a team. I know for people, they find that hard to believe, especially with our offense. Yeah, how original, an Iowa offense joke, being the worst. But you know what? I gotta give credit where credit is due. It's it's hard to be able to develop a team as this, and you have no four star players, no four star players, and you're still able to come up with ten and two. That's crazy. No four star players, and I don't think they even had any five star players, or maybe they did have a couple. It was just on the offensive line, but no four star players. It's just insane, and being able to go ten and two. Yeah, it's seriously overachieving. Also, I kind of really feel bad for Nebraska, and I'll. But I want to get to something bizarre that happened during the Iowa-Nebraska game. Apparently, a rarity of officials substitution. Now, let me be honest. I was just waiting for the PA announcer having the opportunity of, and now the referee you don't like will be substituted by Jeff Pappos. But substitutions don't get announced in a big way for football like that. <laughs> when you think about it. They should. <laughs> Basketball does it. Why not? Let's see here. I mean, there wasn't really a lot to talk about with uh, Iowa-Nebraska game, except for the last two minutes of the game. The last uh, the last four minutes. Not just the last two minutes. The last four minutes. It was bizarre. There was at some point that after a first down, 12 seconds of the game clock wasn't winding down. But let's get to the last two minutes of the fourth quarter. Iowa had the ball. Uh, Deacon Hill throws the ball right to a Nebraska defender. And Nebraska fans are getting all crazy thinking, yes, we'll finally be bull eligible, especially under Matt Rule. But then a couple plays later, the Nebraska quarterback throws the ball right to an Iowa defender, and he returns the ball back to the Iowa 37. I, call, I mean, to the Nebraska 37. That'll be great. To the Nebraska 37. And all Iowa had to do was just get a couple of yards and get in the field goal position so that way they could win the game. And Nebraska Cornhuskers would not be bowl eligible. They hand the ball off to LaShawn Williams. They got the first down. All right. Let's see Drew Stevens. But Kirk Ferentz thinks, wait a minute. I'm going to take out Drew Stevens. But, of course, it's understandable because early in the game, a couple of field goals got blocked by Nebraska's special teams. So instead, he – this is Iowa football. You're more likely to have a substitution for a kicker than for a quarterback. So 
This kicker has not kicked a field goal all season long. So Kirk Ferentz thinks, let's put in Mr. Marshall Meter. From nearly 40 yards, kicks the field goal, just barely gets in, and it's good. Iowa wins 13-10 against Nebraska. And Nebraska doesn't get to be bowl eligible. But not only that, Iowa gets a 10-win season. And everybody will be still repeating what could have been against Minnesota 12-10. Because if Iowa would have won that game, the Big Ten championship game would have determined who would be in the college football playoff. Would have been. So close. Two points away. Oh, bummer. Yeah, it, it's crazy, Tom. What what an alternate world to to watch Iowa and Michigan face each other to determine who would go to the college football playoff. And Iowa has one of the worst offenses. But with the Big Ten championship game, I have to say, yes, there's going to be a winner and loser, but I have to say the biggest loser is going to be the Big Ten commissioner. Why? Let's say Michigan does win. He has to hand over the trophy to Jim Harbaugh, which Jim Harbaugh <laughs> would have the biggest smirk on his face going, yeah, you try to get rid of me. You try to investigate me and everything and all stallions and everything. But I got the trophy. Or he has to give the trophy to Iowa, confused, wondered if he was drunk, or he's actually dreaming, has to pinch himself and realize, oh, we won't have any teams from the Big Ten to be in the college football playoff. Hmm, that's kind of hard to show people that we're one of the big conferences when we can't even get in the playoff. Winner and loser, biggest loser will be the Big Ten commissioner, hands down. And either way, I'm looking forward to the game. Yes, I do realize the last time that Iowa and Michigan faced each other in the Big Ten Championship game, the final score was 42 to 3. And I'm kind of sad that we will not get to see Caden McNamara and Eric all facing their old team of Michigan because they were transfers from Michigan. I didn't realize that. Yeah, but they, they had season ending injuries. Iowa has dealt with plenty of injuries this season and still to be 10 and 2. My goodness. Yeah, they've impressed everybody. I, I think it was after um, maybe it was Monday Night Football, I believe it was. They just kind of like randomly mentioned that if their offense could have played half as good as their defense, then we're talking about a potential national championship team with like no names on it, kind of, you know? Yeah, I was telling you that earlier when we were doing the Coffee Corners podcast. I think I told you around episode two with that. Thank you, announcers, for catching on. I kind of figured that out yeah. as soon as I saw that defense. Well, yeah, that's why I thought about you immediately. I'm like, I remembered, as far as I remember, it's all the way back to episode one. <laughs> like, as far as I can remember, you know, that's <laughs> so funny. But yeah, they're uh, so so. You're not on your own. You're not alone in in uh, in you know seeing that that way. That's for sure. 
I mean, the key for Iowa's victory for the Big Ten Championship game is definitely defense, turnovers, and the penalties battle. Because when Iowa has the least amount of penalties, they're bound to win their games. I know everybody would think, well, that's obvious. But for Iowa specifically, that really helps out and makes a difference. It makes a big difference if you have a disciplined team. And that comes down to the coaching. Yes, definitely. Were there any any games from college football that you want to talk about? I did not catch any college football over the weekend. I saw uh, Jerry Rice celebrating with his son after the USC game. Uh, but other than that, and I saw that, you know, Deion Sanders did the weirdest thing ever. I mean, I, what a bizarre season for them to start out. And remember that that tickets to go watch them play were like a thousand bucks and they were you know comparable to super bowl tickets and then and then they rattle off and lost what seven in a row or six in a row to lose to finish the season out i mean they had a tough stretch the pack 12 was stacked this year yeah but i think there's gonna be a lot of uh to use dion's own words there's gonna be a lot of players you know hitting the oh shoot i forgot what i was gonna i forgot the word for it hitting the the protocol no not the protocol the uh the transfer protocol right hitting the transfer protocol the transfer portal the transfer portal that's it hit the yeah. portal you know yeah. his whole thing is you know hit that portal hit that portal but now he's facing it and as a matter of fact i've heard that his son the quarterback may hit the portal because that's what's going to be best for his career yeah, there, there's a lot of reports of transfer portals everywhere. Spencer Rowler is part of it. Uh, the My, the University of Miami, Florida quarterback is transfer portal. It's going to get crazy. And we haven't even ended this season yet. It's turned into a four-year career with absolute unlimited free agency. <laughs> and so... This uh, semi-pro football is now as messy as most semi-pro football ends up being. I also remember, Tom, that we, we had a discussion when I told you about he uh, with the Iowa game telling that you put in a kicker that hasn't kicked all year and ends up kicking the game-winning field goal, and you told me, that sounds like a bad football movie ending. I sure did. Well, well it could not top. The Washington and Washington State game. Now, the kicker of Washington kicked a game-winning field goal, but at the end of the game, they offered that Washington kicker a scholarship, full-ride scholarship. That was a great story. You're right. I, th- I saw that. What a great story. The Washington Huskies, also- Washington Huskies have been a powerhouse this season. Yeah, it's crazy to think about. I mean, they did have Michael Penix Jr. as the quarterback. That really helps out. And also they had some pretty good receivers as well. I just can't remember the names on the top of my head. I've been more focused with Iowa and who Iowa's facing against. But I have to say, the game between Ohio State and Michigan was really entertaining. Was it? I didn't have a chance to watch it. Oh my gosh! It was it was entertaining. I, I think the final score was like thirty to twenty four, and 
And it just shows with Michigan, Michigan's offense, uh, they relied on the run. I mean, Blake Corum had a heck of a game. And there was this one call because it was a touchdown catch, but if it was anyone else, they would have called that an interception because Roman Wilson, the wide receiver of Michigan, was fighting off with uh, with the Ohio State a defender, and he he held on to the ball. It's just he didn't hold on to the ball long enough. That way it could be seen, okay, it's a catch. Right. You know, he, he caught the ball. Full secure, got – and the guy was going, hey, no, this was an interception. You, you know, because they were kind of wrestling over the ball. I mean, they, they, they had their hands tied around around the ball. They were fighting over it, and they thought he had full control, so they called it a touchdown. But when it came down to it, the Ohio State defender came up with it. It was an entertaining game. And I've heard now that so Michigan is now the winningest football college football yes, team in the history of college football. Yeah, they have 1,001 wins. Yeah, they have a thousand one wins. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, Tom. Yeah, the winningest college football team in history, the most wins ever. Yeah, thousand and one, you're right. Pretty wild stuff. Yeah, that's crazy. I'm hoping that they don't get a thousand and two. <laughs> they just might. Look, I'm I'm gonna do something for the Iowa Hawkeye fans out there, so because let's face it, we all know the odds are against us of beating Michigan. But this is for the Iowa Hawkeye fan listeners. Hopefully you enjoy. Oh my goodness! The Iowa Hawkeyes have pulled the upset. They beat the Michigan Wolverines. Big Ten West finally best in the final year of the divisions for the Big Ten. see Michigan win is Harbaugh is going to be able to coach if they make it to the national championship, correct? Or do we know for sure? Yes. Okay. Yes. He's going to be on the silence for the Big Ten championship game. So I want to see him walk away, get his trophy, go set it on his shelf, and then leave college football for the Raiders. Like, I think that that would be great. <laughs> it's a great Harbaugh story. What Harbaugh does, he's so good. He goes and he stirs stuff up, stirs it up, stirs it up, and then he goes somewhere else. That's what he does. <laughs> and either you love him or you hate him, and I happen to love him. I mean, he was great with uh, with the Colts when he was a quarterback there. You know what? I'm glad you mentioned that because there are a f- very few quarterbacks that – are like Harbaugh where you don't really remember him. And when I say you, me and you obviously do, because I I know you remember him as a, as a Colts quarterback because he was so good. We all remember the Tom Brady's and the Joe Montana's and the Peyton Manning's, those guys being comeback players, Russell Wilson's. But Jim Harbaugh was one of the best at when he was from, playing from behind. It felt like he was like the legit comeback kid. He every time he played, it felt like a football movie almost. 
Yes, definitely. Speaking of feeling like it was something from a football movie, let's get the bowl eligibility update for college football, shall we? Yeah, what is it? Well, it was close. It was close. But James Madison and Jacksonville State, and bizarrely, the 5-7 and Minnesota Golden Gophers, are bowl eligible. Just barely. Just barely made it through. And a big bird flying over for the NCAA with their ruling. Also, they got to have a special thanks to Oklahoma State, Oklahoma, Florida State, Clemson, Northwestern, Wisconsin, Ole Miss, and last but not least, Iowa. The college football guys didn't like what the NCAA did, and well, college football fans got their wish. Now, where will we see James Madison in Jacksonville State? We will find out next week. Well, I can't wait to watch that game. I think most likely James Madison might end up, they're projected to be in the New Orleans Bowl facing against Liberty, and Liberty hasn't lost yet. And you also missed a great uh, Iron Bowl as well, Auburn and Alabama. I mean, let's just say Auburn went from fanfare to nightmare at Jordan Hare. It just went <laughs> south fast. Auburn had a four-point lead. All they had to do was hold on to this punt return. I mean, hold on to this punt, and the guy fumbles the ball. Alabama gets the ball back. But this is where it gets even – that's not the crazy part. Here's where it gets crazy. Alabama gets close to the scoring. I mean, they're in the goal line, and it's – and it's third and goal, and the center for Alabama, for some peculiar reason, decides to hike the ball early, went over the shoulders of Jalen Milroe, the quarterback of Alabama, and he had to rush and recover around the 31. So it ended up becoming fourth and goal at their opponent's 31-yard line. So people call this as fourth and Milroe because even the announcer said it's fourth and a mile. Alabama needs to score this touchdown to win the game. And he looked as comfortable as possible. He might as well have had a coconut, you know, drinking. Drink out of a coconut and threw that football at the corner of the end zone, which personally I would like to call fourth and corner, the corner bond game because he froze the ball. And Isaiah Bond, the Alabama wide receiver, barely catches it around, around near the helmet area, catches it. Gets both feet in. It was an NFL catch. He got both feet in. He only needed one foot in, and he caught it with around 41 seconds left in the game. And Alabama sealed it with what people thought was going to be a pick six to make it 33 to 24, but apparently the guy ended up going out of bounds around the three-yard line, so... Ended up being 27 to 24, but Alabama wins. They hang on barely for the college football play. Some college football playoff hopes. I have a human interest story that I wanted to know if you heard about. Did you hear about AJ Brown asking all of his uh, Eagles fans to troll Debo Samuel on social media? No, I did not hear that. What do you think about that? What do you think about that kind of a thing? Like a, a an athlete or a famous person trying to sick their fans on somebody else? Uh, to be honest, uh, I'm not really the biggest fan of it, to be honest, but I can understand you want to find a way to 
see if you could, uh, I guess, the, the saying, you know, tease them and see if they make a reaction. That way you can use that as poster motivation for the game coming up. So I understand what he's trying to do. Oh, so he's mining for uh, material. Mine, yeah, yeah. Have the fans out there mining for material. He has them like a bunch of Georgia bloodhounds looking for a fox. Debo Samuel is the fox, and he's looking for, well, if he says anything, that could be used as poster material. Philadelphia is notoriously a bad sports city, abusive towards visitors, abusive towards their own fans. It's just notorious for that kind of stuff. And bizarrely, their local legend athletic statue is of an imaginary boxer named Rocky and there's been warnings to 49er fans to not deface the statue of hero of theirs Rocky Balboa right I remember because people if you put then they get motivated to beat you up in the game I think that's hilarious (laughs) you don't you dare put a jersey on this guy from a movie from a long time ago that I don't think very much of the movie was actually filmed in Philly. I'm sure there were plenty of scenes, you know, as he's running out in the streets and stuff like that. But it's just such a bizarre love affair between the city and this imaginary character. I I can't for the life of me think of another town like that where they've got an imaginary athletic character immortalized like that. I mean, Casey at bat is probably immortalized a few different places. We'll have to do yeah, some research but, on that. Yeah, speaking of love affair with their with their cities, uh, we got to talk about. I mean, it's going to be Kansas City versus Green Bay. It's not only a rematch of all the way back that was known as the AFL and NFL Pro Championship, AFL and NFL Championship game, mm-hmm. but also everyone, especially on E, will be wondering about Taylor Swift and Simone Biles. Yeah, you're right. Uh, that's all I got. Well, I know that uh, the big news today was that Travis Kelsey is now searching for a place that's a little more secluded, and apparently Taylor Swift has flown into Kansas City this week. So I think they're there. I think the deal is they're house shopping together. So if that in any way, shape, or form affects this podcast, then I apologize. Uh, I'm still waiting around for her to write her song "Chief Tight End." I'm just waiting for it. You spiked the ball, which you spiked into my heart. But uh, unfortunately, I thought you were my chief. But it has to come to a tight end. I was thinking maybe it would be something along the lines of tight end, more like bad end. You know what I mean? Because it, it can't end well. Just still waiting for that. I mean, they could look as house shopping, but she's well known for writing those heartbreak songs. Yeah. There's a reason why she hasn't dated a country singer yet. Thanks. I'm just not another breakup song. I don't think she's had the thing where she's moved in with somebody and had to split up all their crap either. That's a pretty big undertaking. That's, a, that's something that takes a long time, especially if you share a dog. So did you have any more human interest stories? Or are we all human interested out now? Uh, I actually have a human interest story about the reason why you, you were curious about why there's not a lot of football games on Friday. So do- I actually found out why. Oh, do tell. Why the NFL games don't often play on Friday? Well, it's a rarity because of something that is known as the Sports Broadcasting Act of 1961 that I found out on SportingNews.com. It's a way of making sure that Fridays for high school football, Saturdays for college football, and after the rivalry week and conference championship games, then the NFL gets the okay to get 
to have some Saturday NFL game. The last time there was a Friday NFL game was actually on Christmas Day 2020, which the Minnesota Vikings beat the New Orleans Saints 52-33. But the last time on a Friday that wasn't on a holiday was in 2005. It was pushed back. It was originally a Monday night football game, but it was pushed back because of Hurricane Wilma which took place around Florida. So the Chiefs ended up being the Dolphins 35-20. to 20. Yeah, I seem to remember that Miami one. And speaking of Miami Dolphins, I got to talk about that Black Friday game. And boy, howdy. All I could say is the New York Jets, their uniforms were great. And that's all I could say about the New York Jets. Only the New York Jets would find a way to make a Hail Mary turn into a pick six as you go into halftime. Obviously, the Miami Dolphins won. It wasn't even close. Well, the Jets have Wonderboy back, though. Aaron Rodgers has been cleared to do football drills now. He's out, and, you know, after just a few weeks being out of his surgery, after his surgery, which he was supposed to be out for an entire season, they're thinking he might get back in uniform. I don't know why he would. It's not like the Jets are going to have a playoff run. He's back and ready. I think he wants to play some football. He wants to make sure that he's earning that money. That you got paid. There's probably a lot of truth to that. Kind of hard to be the discount double check when you don't even double check into the field. I think that he likes the idea of going to New York and kind of saving the day for the Jets. Because the Jets have been, as you know, just an awful franchise for I don't know how long. Since Super Bowl three, <laughs> maybe. I don't remember them being good in my entire uh, football last time life. I checked, uh, the New York Jets had a couple of AFC championship runs, if I'm mistaken, under Rex Ryan, I do believe, around the early 2010s. If I'm sadly mistaken. Yeah, the Mangini days, right? Wasn't that when the Mangini went over from um, Eric Mangini went over from the Patriots, and there was all that cheating gate and all the deflate. Well, maybe not deflate gate, but there was they, he was filming practices and things like that. Yeah, I think that I, I know what you're talking about. I remember those teams and and right around that time. They didn't yeah. go to the Super Bowl though, but they did. They did get. Uh, they did make it into the playoffs pretty deep. Yeah, a lot more deep than my Colts with Andrew Luck. <laughs> I can't believe they did that with Mark Sanchez. They get into back-to-back AFC Championship games with Mark Sanchez. Got to be kidding me. Yeah, Mark Sanchez, bad quarterback, and possibly a worse broadcaster. I'm not sure what the infatuation is with him. I cannot stand him as a broadcaster. I just didn't expect that last one. Like, he was the butt fumble, right? He's also, like, a a butt announcer. I don't like – I know that wasn't very clever, but I just do not enjoy him as a broadcaster. When I see he's doing the game, I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. Tony Romo's great. I love Tony Romo. I'm trying to think of who I, I'm okay with. Moose Johnson. I don't think he's. I don't think he's the best, but I'm okay with him. Chris Collinsworth is okay once you hear Joe Buck. Yeah, I mean Collinsworth is okay. He's kind of a 49er hater, but he embraces that he's a 49er hater. Like he actually says. I've actually heard him verbalize that a few times. But he is very good. Very, very, very good. But he's a 49er hater. <laughs> he lost to them two times in the Super Bowl about, um, what was it, about four or five years apart or something like that. <laughs> yeah, that could make someone become a hater. 
a 49er hater. Yeah. I can only imagine. It's got to stink to go watch them celebrating. Yeah. yeah. The 49ers beat them in Super Bowl 16 and then Super Bowl 23. So it's more like seven, more like seven years. Yeah, more like seven, yeah. seven years. So imagine that you got your chance to come back and, uh, you know, avenge your loss and then lose again. And in the fashion they did, Super Bowl 23 was the was the John Candy game where Joe Montana marched him up the field and threw the game-winning pass to John Taylor right up the middle. Yeah. All right. Is, is, there, any- is there anything else oh, we need? To, is there anything else we need to cover today? Well, actually, we have a curious question. I mean, these are going to be the last few days of November, and November is also known as National Write a Novel Month. So I'm kind of curious, Tom. Have you thought of writing a novel or a book in general? I have been writing a book. Um, it is a – I don't think I should say the name of it, but I have been writing a book. Just, just, just say what, what you know, genre, you can say just genre-wise, you know, if you want to, if you feel more comfortable with that. It's a humorous weight loss and lifestyle book. Let's just put it that way. Oh, that sounds fantastic. Yeah, wait wait until you hear what it's called, then you'll really like it. <laughs> <laughs> but uh well, Oops, excuse me, hold on a second. Go ahead, what were you saying? Uh to be honest, uh with me, I thought about writing a book. I mean, my dad was an excellent writer and I and I think I got his genes on storytelling and hopefully I can find a way to make use out of that. I just quite haven't quite figured out on what yet that I could do. But what I would write about, I thought about, I, I mean, my artistic compadres have found ways of writing a book, to be honest. And and I thought of writing about living with autism, not as in a victimization way, oh, poor me, but of, okay, I got this and I finally figured it out. I had this, though my parents told me years ago I had this, but I had to come to the conclusion I have this and finally find a way to accepting that I have this. But to be honest, I would probably title the book. I couldn't think of a clever title, but it's about all clever titles were taken. But this book is about being autistic. I, I think I would I would title a book that uh, if I do ever write a novel, hopefully I could find a way of a novel that, you know, has people on their feet. And especially if I was writing it with a friend of mine as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, hopefully I would be able to do that if I ever do a novel. Novel is a lot of work. I could see myself writing a book, but a novel is a lot of work, which why uh, hopefully I can find a way of writing a novel with, with one of my closest friends. Oh, I love that. That ought to be that'd be awesome. I think that's a great idea. I'd buy your book, man. I'd buy it in a heartbeat. I buy yours too. I just need to know what the title is, and then I'll come to my decision. I could definitely also see you uh, doing a 49ers book with Carl Zazaraki as well. You know, you you do a humorous way of telling the history of the San Francisco 49ers. That's not a bad idea. I, I, like, to, I like all those locker room stories and the folklore and the legends and things like that, and you know, who knows what the truth is sometimes, but I like those stories. So I wouldn't mind kind of retelling some of those stories that have just kind of been around. And I've also been around. I was, I, I pick weird days to be places. 
Um, for example, the the only time I ever went to the 49ers headquarters to get autographs, like as the players were coming out of practice, we got there a little bit early. And as we get there, we're kind of like setting up, kind of hanging out where the players come out. Lawrence Phillips comes flying out and he's just furious slamming stuff. And I don't know if I've told the story on the podcast before, but it was the day that he flipped out on coach Tom Rathman and got kicked off the 49ers. And at the time it was like a big deal that he was being rehabbed and all that stuff. And as you know, maybe, maybe no, maybe don't know, but he was uh, later on ended up going to prison. And then, so it was kind of there for the NFL demise of him. It was, it was kind of sad because you knew, you knew there was no recovering from where he was at and you and turned out to be right. Yeah. So some of those stories, some of those stories would be kind of fun to tell like in a humorous way without having to, because people know how things ended with him, but it would be kind of interesting to dig into that story, just seeing the reaction and all that stuff that, that day, you know? Yeah. And just to let people know out there, Coffin Corners now is a social media page. Just put Coffin underscore corners. And also I want to thank, and that's our Instagram page. I also want to thank the people besides, of course, our host Tom for voting. Also, we had a poll, and I just wanted to see if whether or not people actually would check out a Coffin Corners, Coffin Corners Instagram page, and we got plenty of votes, especially. So I want to thank the voters of at the Radcast, at Dan Hinkle, at Crypto.Complete, at Trillions of Hat, at Deluxe Record, at K Style David, at Mary. Mary Vibes XO at First Powerhouse and at Whitme underscore S. And also make sure to rate, follow, tell people to listen to this football podcast of Coffin Corners. And remember, folks, you have heard from the professionals and you have just listened from the Profasuals. 